the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome back. Tuesday, October 12th, 2021. It's amazing how the left moves. They just do things without examining, without historical context, without legal reference. They just do what they want and exhaust we normal people into all their apple cart destructions or make us look up and research what they're doing because it's so abnormal it's unfamiliar to us so while we're doing that trying to investigate the abnormal to a fairly well so that we can reinstate common sense while we're in the midst of that they're on to the next thing like a great white shark it does three things Swims, eats, and makes baby great white sharks. I just do things. (laughs) In the Communist Manifesto, Karl Marx goes right into this when we start thinking about what the government is doing or what corporations are doing when it comes to issues having to do with family and gender. Karl Marx writes, quote, on what foundation is the present family, the bourgeois family based on capital, on private gain? It is completely developed from and this family exists only among the bourgeoisie, already setting up a conflict between classes based on the family. Frederick Engels, Marx's co-author of the Communist Manifesto, himself wrote a book, an entire book, a whole book on the need to dismantle the family. He wrote, The secular basis of society must be understood in its contradiction and revolutionized in practice. Karl Marx wrote, For instance, thus, After the earthly family is discovered to be the secret of the home holy family, the former, that would be the earthly family, must then itself be destroyed in theory and practice. Item. An exclusive New York City high school hired an educator to teach students about pornography, and it did not go over well with parents. Columbia Grammar and Prep School on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, $47,000 a year, held a sexuality workshop for all students in the junior class. Parents were not made aware of the training, and students were misinformed about the explicit content. One student told the New York Post he thought it was, quote, just going to be about condoms or birth control, close quote. On the contrary, the training was called, quote, pornography literacy, an intersectional focus on mainstream porn. Close quote. It was taught by Justine Ang Fonte, the director of health and wellness at the Dalton School, another private school nearby. The training was delivered to 120 students and discussed the following topics. 
Three big male vulnerabilities. The orgasm gap. Partially nude women. What is porn and what is art? And then it talked about various pornography categories, such as incest, barely, legal, kink and BDSM, and others. High schoolers. The student says, we were all like, what? Who thought the training was a complete waste of time, she said. Everyone was texting each other, saying things like, what the hell is this? It's so stupid. Everyone knows about porn. The worst part of it was that it took place not long before the AP tests, and I had to miss both my AP classes for this. Now, before we leave that, the Dalton School, which I mentioned, which gave this training to its neighbor that costs $47,000 a year, the Dalton School costs $55,000 a year. Item. Last fall, parents at the Dalton School got wind of their first graders, first graders, being taught sex education lessons that included self-gratification. You know the word I want. The, mo- the Post viewed a video of a cartoon that Fonte used, the teacher used, in one of her sex ed classes for six-year-olds, showing little kids talking about touching themselves for pleasure. I want to talk about what is in the content I'm uncomfortable doing so. Forgive me. Item. A prominent American cereal company has partnered with an LGBT advocacy group to create a special cereal packaged in a box encouraging people, young people, to choose their own pronouns. Kellogg's, the parent company of brands like Apple Jacks, Frosted Flakes, Fruit Loops, unveiled its, quote, Together with Pride campaign. The campaign, which has adopted the slogan, boxes are for cereal, not people, will last until the end of the year. It rests on the premise that, quote, no matter who you are, who you love, or what pronouns you use, you're just too awesome to fit in a box, close quote. No more fortified with vitamins and minerals. We're now fortified with junk thought. The Michigan-based company Kellogg's noted on its Instagram page that for every box of Together with Pride cereal sold, it will donate $3 to an activist organization, GLAAD. Originally founded as the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, GLAAD promotes LGBT acceptance in the media. GLAAD, by the way, is not just about gay rights as it was originally founded. Today you go to the GLAAD page and you get all kinds of resources on changing your child's sex. Their annual report brags of donations from the likes of Coca-Cola and Delta. Their annual report brags of their work with Kellogg's. Are you familiar with the children's show Blue's Clues on Nickelodeon? Blue's Clues, it's a long-running pre- preschool TV show that's played, been airing since about the mid-90s. Blue's Clues became the highest-rated show for preschoolers on American commercial television and was critical to the network Nickelodeon's growth, according to Wikipedia. The lyrics of its Pride Month song, which appears to be sung by a cartoon drag queen, include the following. This family has two mommies. They love each other so proudly. This family has two daddies. They love each other so proudly. These babies are non-binary. They love each other so proudly. 
So this has been going on for a little bit. And now in California, the legislature has passed a law that Governor Newsom signed. Interesting, all this comes after the special election, isn't it? It forces stores, department stores, to have gender-neutral sections. can't even pronounce some of this new stuff. Gender-neutral sections where traditional, get this, blue and pink toys and toothbrushes are banned. Large department stores must now display products like toys and toothbrushes in gender-neutral ways. A win for LGBT advocates who say the pink and blue hues of traditional marketing methods pressure children to conform to stereotypes, according to The Guardian. It's amazing how the left moves. They just do things and exhaust we normal people into all their apple cart destructions. Or make us look up and research what they just did because it's so abnormal so that while we're doing that, researching, trying to find the right words, trying to pick ourselves off the floor to adjust, they're on to the next thing. Like great white sharks, they do three things. Swim, eat, and make baby sharks. The legislator, all bills that the governor signed start in the the legislature. In California, the legislator who started this said it came to him when a staffer of his said his 10-year-old daughter asked why some parts of the store were off-limits to her. The legislator said, quote, we need to stop stigmatizing what's acceptable for certain genders and just let kids be kids, close quote. Wow. Who knew the fragility of the environmental triggers children are facing were caused by seeing colors like blue and pink. But that said, is there not something a little more fundamental here? Maybe we don't need a law to protect a child who thinks a part of the store is off limits to her, but a society that teaches parents that they are the adults and the children are children. Ten-year-olds know very little. That's why they live at home, presumably, with a parent or an adult, to teach them in the way they should go, as some old language has it. Parenting is not a noun. That means any time my child says something stupid or unlearned or naive, simply naive, we go to the legislature and governor and upend societal norms that until yesterday hurt nobody. Parenting means teaching, teaching your children, raising them, instructing them on maturity along the way. Part of that is teaching the universe to children. A child told not to go somewhere in the store because of a color on her skin? You bet. Wrong. Awful. Horrible. Illegal. A child thinking she can't go somewhere in a store because of colors on items? What makes me think that's a parenting problem and not a society or store problem? But the children have been put in charge. The problem with that is they still need adults. And they need childhood. And we've been ripping it away from them as we have been infantilizing ourselves with junk thought and narcissism. Throw in a dollop of authoritarianism and Marxism and pretty quickly you can change a society that will in another short spell of time simply forget what it is, what it was and what it was supposed to be. It's amazing how the left moves. So we can take out the shark 
from the water, I suppose, and have Amity Island as it was supposed to be. Or we can go on the way we are and have the Amityville Horror. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. What we are dealing with here is a perfect engine, uh, an eating machine. It's really a miracle of evolution. All this machine does is swim and eat and make little sharks. And that's all. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602 508 Yeah, I wanted to share this. The Arizona Republic today did, um, did us a favor. And uh, the favor was it finally updated, at least to within a week being a week old, it finally updated its breakthrough death numbers here in Arizona. And it's worth pointing out that as we're going through these encouragements, orders, and even mandates if you live in a place like California to vaccinate our youth. There's not a state in this country where children are dying from COVID at greater numbers than adults who have been fully vaccinated. Fully vaccinated adults are dying in greater numbers than children. I got an email from a listener on Friday. His name is Clay, or her name is Clay. I'm not sure which. Didn't get a last name, and I wouldn't have used it if I did. Clay writes, No matter how we and other countries respond to a worldwide pandemic, there will be a big price to pay. To act like tape accepted measures to limit the spread of a contagious infection that overruns hospitals is draconian and unnecessary and is more than irresponsible. In fact, it's dangerous. I pray you and your loved ones aren't hospitalized or die from COVID. Thank you. I pray the same of you. No matter how we slice it, in a 100-year worldwide pandemic, Millions of lives will be lost, and you're being irresponsible and dangerous. I would invite this person to call in and have a conversation with me, especially on this sentence, to act like taking accepted measures to limit the spread of a contagious infection that overruns hospitals is draconian and unnecessary unnecessary and more than irresponsible it's dangerous i would love to have a conversation with you clay call me and i'll help you out i'll help you prep for the call when you write accepted measures to limit the spread of a contagious infection i would love your sources and may they please be please 
be a little more than a year old? Please. I think that's not too much when you're talking about accepted measures. Accepted measures. And if they aren't, that's okay too. Because I have in my hands a three-page list. Three pages now. Handwritten. Three pages. Of that which we've been told from government authorities since March of last year that were the accepted measures we were supposed to obey that have all been changed. That have all been changed. Some have gone back and forth, but they've been changed and they've never held steady, the ones I wrote down, for more than 30 days. In other words, they have never been accepted and acceptable for more than 30 days. Which brings us now to the, dis- the, the, the dispute, the contrata, the conflict over vaccinations and airline pilots and traffic controllers and flight attendants, airline staff. One of two things is true. One of two things is true. Either COVID is a real problem on airplanes, COVID spread is a real problem on airplanes, and we need to do something very different about it, or it's not. Now, I have a challenge for y'all. Go and try and research COVID spread on airplanes. Go and try. I'll ease your mind a little bit when you engage in the frustration. It's awfully hard to find much. Even over at CNN, even over at CNN, they have a story about COVID and air travel, which is one of the first stories, of course, that pops up. And guess what it does and doesn't do? It doesn't mention any number of, or any number, it doesn't mention a number or a percent of people who have flown and got COVID. It's all about why it needs to be done, vaccination of staff. There's not a single figure in there other than a percentage showing what people think and feel. If you land on certain Scientific American or other websites, you will find comparisons of how easily COVID spreads on various ways of transporting yourself. Car, bus, subway, airplane, train. Guess which one thing is the safest of all those? You got it. You got it. Exquisite attention to meaningless ritual. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. 34 past the hour brings us a culture and economy update with John Dombrowski. He is the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. He has his own show right here on this station every Saturday morning, The Word on Wealth, every Saturday at 7. And his website is GrandCanyonPlanning.com, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. 
com. Estate, retirement, and tax planning. How are you, John? Fantastic. Thank you, Seth. Thank you. What's not fantastic right now is a report. <laughs> yeah, I know. You and I have talked for years about this, as long as we've known each other, mm-hmm. the importance of work, industriousness, employment, not yes. just as a matter of economy and savings, but even as a matter of you know society, civil, Individual and pride. soul. Right? Too, Civic right? society work, yeah. and the soul. Sure. We just are learning now. There's new numbers just coming yeah. in today. A record four, almost four and a half million workers quit their jobs last month. Right. And uh, this this is a month behind these reports. Yeah. You know, the, this is the August uh, jobs report. Right. Um, but you're right. And it was led by the food industry and retail industry. So it's interesting because if 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 you're out there, I, w- I went out to a restaurant last night. It was a wonderful dinner. Thrilled that we were able to go out and eat dinner and enjoy. It was, it was beautiful to sit outside. Um, and it took a very long time to get served. And we didn't get upset about that. We were just happy to be able to go out and eat. And uh, But I could tell that the restaurant was packed, uh, but they were understaffed, Seth. And, and this is a challenge for many businesses out there. And people have to be patient and they have to understand this and not, you know, get upset about this because – Employers are having a very difficult time. And, yes, 4.3 million workers quit their jobs in August, which is at, a, at an astounding rate. And we'd have to go all the way back to December of 2000, which is the tech bubble days, if you right. remember. Yes, yes, right, yes. The tech People bubble. forgot how bad that was, but, yeah, right. Right. So this is what we're up against today, and this is what businesses are up against today. And not only that, but we're seeing in this report it talks about – Many people who leave the workforce or who, who take the uh, initiative to quit their job, it's not necessarily maybe that they're leaving the workforce, but maybe they have another job that they're going to. And if that's true, that's great. Um, and in this case, maybe it's for more money, Seth, because there are a lot of businesses out there that are struggling and they're raising uh, the hourly rates that they're paying, they're paying incentives to get employees. So there may be some, uh, just another opportunity for some of these people that are leaving. But they're leaving areas of the economy that all of us use, right? It, it, we all want to eat. <laughs> we we all uh, have to utilize the services that a lot of these people are uh, filling these positions. So it's it's going to be something that is going to affect all of us. We're also seeing, of course, the constraints now. Uh, we're seeing pictures of maybe some of the shelves and some of the supermarkets that are a little bit uh, light again and that there might be some challenges getting some of the supplies that we need. Uh, all of these things are coming into play right now. And a lot of it is because it's trickling down that we just can't get people to work, to drive trucks, to get those containers out of the uh, shipping uh, yards and off of, off the ships into the shipping yards, onto the trucks, onto the trains, and so forth, just don't have the manpower. There's a there's a, there's an unfortunate cycle to these things, John. In this sense, that I think may have a reverberating effect, not good and not a good one. You're patient. You go to a restaurant. You're 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 an, you're an adult. You're experienced in these things, and you give a lot of leeway. And you're generous. You are. A lot of people are as well. Others go to the restaurants and haven't maybe been since co- since the COVID mitigations of last year, or maybe mm-hmm. they're giving it a second or third shot, and it's not the service they remember. Right. And the prices are up. 
Mm-hmm. And we're getting to this Yogi Berra moment where he said to someone, no one goes the, to that restaurant anymore. It's too crowded. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to that point where people aren't going to go back. Right, right. And at a certain point, John, I'm wondering if we aren't careful enough, if we aren't careful enough, we're going to start seeing some of these industries, not workers, but industries themselves in a permanent decline. It's very possible we'll see some uh, some more businesses, small businesses, people who have been serving their communities, serving the people in the area, uh, and, and dedicating really their, their, their life and their livelihood, they count on this, to serve those people. And I think we have to be aware of that, just as we have to be aware of the people who have lost their jobs due to this, this pandemic and, and the policies that we're seeing that are being um, you know, forced upon many Americans out there. And we have to be patient. We have to understand and try to look at, look at some of these things from those individuals' eyes and hopefully be able to help them through this period of time if we're one of the fortunate ones that we're able to hold on to our positions. Nicely said. Thanks, John. You bet. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finra and Sipic, and an investment advisor, Grand King and Planning LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Also, if you've lost your job, you've got a 401k, you need help with that, okay. managing that, rolling that over, come see me, please. Perfect. Thank, Thank you, you, John. Bye-bye. God bless. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Dave's in Phoenix. Hello, Dave. Hello, Seth. Long-time listener. Thank you. I appreciate your show very much. Thank you. Uh, a question relative to the uh, banking transaction record proposal that's being uh, incorporated into the uh, Build Back Better program. Wouldn't it be worthwhile to hold those in leadership like Pelosi, Schumer, Biden, and such to a higher standard that maybe they would release their banking transaction records as a public service? Yeah, I um, look, all of this is so odd. We had these two banking experts on. Uh, we had these banking experts on on Friday talking about this. And I was researching a little bit more about it. And there's there's this disconnect. There's this odd disconnect because what the administration is saying is there are trillions of dollars in unpaid taxes. Trillions in, uh, in unpaid taxes. And I, um, th- th- what the administration is saying is that it's mostly from wealthy individuals, wealthy individuals and businesses. In fact, you have uh, the assistant secretary of the treasury saying this is about making sure the top 1% can't evade $160 billion per year in taxes. And they game that out over 10 years to the trillions. Alexandra Lamana, Treasury Department. It's about making sure the top 1% can't evade billions per year in taxes. Okay. But, but, what, who, but what, bil- what millionaires and billionaires do you know are, are, are making $600 deposits? Not many. Not many. But don't 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 we count Pelosi, Schumer, Biden at all <laughs> in that one one percenter? Well, group? sure we do, and I I don't know what their taxes say, and I'm not against wealth, believe it or not. I'm actually for it, and God by, bless by them means, so I'm long not. as they allow others <laughs> to get there too. But what's interesting to me about this is it's another example of something that just comes and goes. Is, is, is there a major pushback on this? Are there major stories about this? D- 
Does it make you nervous, Dave? I mean, when we had the bankers in here on Friday talking about it, they talked about this coming from the IRS to look into tax evasion and tax avoidance. Most tax lawyers that I have – all tax lawyers that I have met have told me the difference between tax avoidance and tax evasion is that tax avoidance is legal and tax evasion is not. Tax avoidance is being creative with an accountant, perhaps a lawyer, on your returns. It's figuring out how to you know, pay less taxes within the law. That's what tax avoidance is. That's what the IRS, I think, is letting slip here and what they want to go after. Now, Which I would think Pelosi, Schumer, etc. Et uh, don't – or take full advantage of every tax. I have no doubt they do. I have no doubt they have the most creative accountants and, and lawyers in the world. I have no doubt about it. Now, what's interesting about this – is this is coming out at the same time the attorney general is going after moms and pa's standing up at school boards. That's the Department of Justice. You have the IRS going after $600 transactions. You know, I, I recalled when the IRS under Barack Obama was going after the Tea Party activists. And one of the interesting distinctions between what Obama did and what Nixon was accused of doing, because Nixon was accused of using the IRS for political purposes as well, one of the big differences is the media stopped Nixon from doing it. There's another problem or another distinction. Nixon was going after huge multinational corporations. He was using the IRS to go after them. He wasn't going after you or me. He wasn't going after $600 transactions. He was going after multi-multi-billion-dollar companies. You know, places that can afford the IRS knocking at your door. That's right. This is another effort that I think should have all of us, all of us, very worried about the power of government and the power of government to go after the small guy. You look at who the big guys are these days, they're all on the left. You look at the conglomerates, you look at the multinational corporations, you look at the big media corporations, you look at the big athletic corporations, you look at all these industries. They're all on the left. You think they're going after them? They're not. Not likely. No. No. Not likely. I would talk to your banker if you uh, have a friend or someone in the banking industry. I would talk to them. The bankers I have talked to besides the two that were in studio last week, all have their hair on fire over this as well as the nominee to be controller of the currency who wants to get banks out of the lending business entirely and give it to the federal government. Things that you didn't think used to be weaponized or weaponizable are being weaponized and are weaponizable. And the funny thing about all this is Every one of these things would be three weeks screaming headlines if this were last year or the year before or the year before or the year before that. And now they're just part of the oxygen we we breathe and we're supposed to just accept and take it. That's right. Yeah. So on a little bit different direction. Sure. Going to immigration. One of the challenges we have 
of communicating to people individually is that it isn't relatable when we're talking about the scale of, of the number of people and the scale of the cost of that. And presuming that those who are coming here illegally uh, can't work here legally, will be unemployed, and therefore on some sort of assistance, whether it be federal or state assistance, what is the, what's the quantify that number uh, on 2 million illegal immigrants, which is probably right between those that have been identified and those that have gotten by without being identified, and just assume, for sake of argument, that cost of benefits for those individuals is about $20,000 per year. That's a $40 billion total price tag per per year mm-hmm. for illegal immigration. Yeah. The no- number of households that pay taxes in the U.S., about $69 million, that works out to $576 per household per year. You can bankrupt everything pretty quickly, can't you, Dave, when you're talking in those numbers? Yes, you can. Yeah. There was this leftist idea once upon a time in the 60s that the point of the progressive movement was to break the system, to prove that capitalism can't work. Capitalism works when we don't have politicians proving, trying their best to prove that it can't. Works just fine. It enriches and ennobles more people than any other system ever invented. How do you think we lifted millions and millions and millions of people out of poverty in what used to be called godforsaken places around the world. Well, it wasn't through Marxist juntas. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Rick is in Phoenix. Hello, Rick. Hi there, Seth. It's good to talk to you. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Hey, I got two quick things I want to throw out to you, and uh, just by way of uh, your monologue and what you've been discussing about today, um, one of the things that I am encountering, I think I'm encountering, is this old human nature uh, of refusing that I was wrong. And I'm encountering it in regards to COVID. Uh, I think I'm seeing people on the left and the right who have been so long saying and are so invested in this pandemic and in this COVID business and in being sick and all of that, that they are unwilling and unable to see the truth about this whole thing. And I appreciate more than I can say all of the information that you put out, but I have a sneaking suspicion that a lot of the folks that I know, well, maybe not a lot, but many of the folks that I know hear that (coughs) information and it goes in one ear and out the other. I agree with that. I have had a lot of that. Every time... I'm in a discussion with someone who has a different opinion on mitigation than I do. Yeah. I have noted that. I have noted when I give them a stat like the kinds I give y'all or talk about with y'all. It's just, you know, an an almost blank stare or disregard and forcing, well, you're being your – and then just a conclusion of, well, you're being irresponsible. 
Yeah, like that email you got. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how can you disagree? Where's your medical degree from? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. The response to to that is where's theirs. And it's disturbing because I, I see that it's kind of evolving and growing. And it fits right in with, you probably heard Dennis Prager reading that article from uh, Wall Street Journal this morning. I don't, I, you know, I, I had a weird morning. I missed Dennis today. That's, that's okay. <clears throat> he, uh, he read quotes, I guess, in parts of an article in the Wall Street Journal, how uh, politics has destroyed science or something to that. Oh, I think I know the column. Yeah, I think okay. I flagged the column to read. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Read it when you get a chance, because it is a powerhouse of an uh, of uh, an article, and I mean it really blows the lid off the fact uh, uh, the uh, the whole what this whole thing that's been going on is you know politicians and as you have pointed out, and I can't tell you how much I admire and appreciate your uh, giving Doctor Fauci his due, <laughs> or as the case may be, is don't. <clears throat> but it's a great article. I appreciate it. I will do so. Thank you very yeah. much, Rick. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.